News Network. Remember when your mother told you if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all? Well? 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 What's going on here, Peach? You don't have anything good to say today? (laughs) Yeah, I guess things are kind of up in the air and are a little bit negative on the most part. Would you agree? Well, well, well. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition of TNN Live. No, there's not a lot of good for us to talk about, but there are a lot of things for us to talk about. A lot of really important things. And let me just say this. You're going to hear from a lot of people today, but the least of which is not Dan Rather. Remember him? Dan Rather, CBS News. We are going to listen to a cut from 60 Minutes, 1999. Dan Rather with Donald Trump, of all people. That and much more straight ahead. There's a new sun rising.
I warn you now, this song is about as mellow as you're going to hear today at TNN Live. So buckle in, because we're going on a really, really rocky ride. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just have one weekend, just one weekend, where nothing going into the weekend was bad. We thought, oh my gosh, everything's good. We have wonderful economic news. There's peace on earth everywhere. And we have no inflation. And Democrats don't control Congress. <laughs> that, that's a pipe dream, I know. And we're certainly not going into this weekend thinking those things. But what we can do is find the good stuff. Find the good stuff the best things that are going on for us. After all, if you're listening this morning, that means you've not yet assumed room temperature, as I have not. Thank God, that means we're on the wrong side of the dirt. <laughs> None of us want to go there. We're all getting there sooner or later, but later's better than sooner, don't you think? A lot of stuff happening down in Florida, Mar-a-Lago, my gosh, that part of Florida is just getting covered up with all kinds of insane things happening. As recent as yesterday, former President Trump's legal team met with Jack Smith, that uh, uh, outlaw special counsel that Merrick Garland appointed. Look at, look at, when you get a little time this weekend, look at his background, Smith's background. Everything he's ever done at the federal level he just got beat up because what he was trying to do was against the law. Every case that he brought against anybody that were always high, popular, well-known people, he went after them and he was able to get some convictions. Every one of them was overturned by a court because what he did was illegal. Why do you think Merrick Garland went and found this guy to come after Donald Trump? Merrick Garland hates Donald Trump. Why? Because he's a Republican. Oh, and you know how those Democrats feel about you Republicans out there. You don't deserve to share air with any Democrat. And you're the scum of the earth. I'm not overdoing it. I'm telling you, there's a huge segment of this society today, the political left, they feel that way about conservatives, and especially those evil Republicans, primarily because Donald Trump is one of you. Or as they say down south, Donald Trump's one of y'all. Well, let's kind of look at what happened. Last night, Trump was up north. He was up in New Jersey at Bedminster, his uh, big golf club and resort up there. And uh, special counsel Jack Smith very quietly had his henchmen go serve at Mar-a-Lago. Of course, Trump wasn't there, but uh, his people got served the new charges. And then a little bit later up at Bedminster, Trump went crazy. He made some comments about this. I know that surprises you, <laughs> but he did. And he did it during a nearly hour-long exclusive on-camera interview at Bedminster's. And now, Trump's facing more charges from Democrat President Joe Biden's DOJ. In addition now, there's a third defendant 
Carlos de Oliveira, high-profile man down at Mar-a-Lago. He happens to be their head of maintenance. Now think about that. You're going after the former president of the United States, multimillionaire, billionaire, high, high, high level. And now they've already gone after Trump's valet. He was indicted up front, Walt Noata. And now they're going after the head of maintenance. Can you just surmise for a second what Jack Smith's got on his mind about going after these guys? It's very plain, in-your-face kind of stuff. There's no meat on the bone by just going after Donald Trump straight head on. I mean, that would mean you just had a plethora of uncontroverted facts to go to court and get this guy put behind barns. That's the way. Jack Smith has always tried to do it. All those times he got turned back. He tried to destroy people in politics. The former governor of Virginia. I mean, he got him convicted of all kind of stuff. And it was all reversed on appeal. And then one case after another, just like that. Facts don't matter in these cases. And so what you do is you go get the low-hanging fruit. And I hate to call people that work blue-collar workers low-hanging fruit. But Jack Smith is confident he'll get the valet, Walt Noata, and he'll get the head of maintenance at Mar-a-Lago, De Oliveira. He'll get him to turn and testify against the orange man. Trump made it very clear last night in this hour-and-a-half interview, he said the Presidential Records Act is going to protect him. And, of course, then he launched into a tirade against the DOJ for coming after him but ignoring Biden. Trump argued the way Biden handled documents was absolutely reckless, and nobody's saying anything about the investigation of that other special counsel into Joe Biden's mishandling of all those classified documents 1,800 boxes, not one of which does Joe Biden have legal authority to have in his possession. Not one. Why? The Presidential Records Act is the Presidential Records Act and all of this 1,800 document crap that happened in Joe Biden's world happened long before he became president. Some of those documents go back to when he was a U.S. senator. And then a bunch when he was vice president. He doesn't have any legal right. Well, if you don't have a legal right to something, what does that mean? It means if you have it, you're breaking multiple federal laws. But Joe Biden, he's a Democrat. He gets a free pass. Trump said this, I just heard it as I'm sitting down. This is harassment. Now, he wouldn't say the word that way. He would call it harassment. This is harassment. This is election interference, he said, when he was asked to respond to the superseding indictment and the additional charges. I'm protected by the President's Record Act. Totally. Shouldn't even be a case. It's not a criminal case. Where's Biden with all his documents? He's got 20 times, 30 times the documents I have. And he's not made it easy for them either. He's been hiding boxes. They're sending boxes to Chinatown. Boxes are being sent to Chinatown. And yet China is paying them millions of dollars. You explain that. 
You don't even hear about that. All you hear about is Trump. No, this is a two-tiered system of injustice. That's what we have. We have a sick country. Our country's very sick right now. We have a failing nation, and it's a very sad thing to watch. This was in an interview last night with Breitbart News. It was scheduled a long time ago, but it came just moments after the special counsel's office unveiled the superseding indictment, which added additional charges against Trump and Nauta and introduced the Olivieria as a defendant. Central new allegation is that special counsel claims Trump and the others sought to delete Mar-a-Lago security footage in the summer of 2022. Now, did you catch that? I'll repeat it. This is a quote. The central new allegation is that the special counsel claims Trump and the others sought to delete Mar-a-Lago security footage in the summer of 2022. You know what? I looked at my son, Caleb, about two weeks ago. I looked him in the eye sitting across the dinner table from me. And I just reached across the table and slapped him as hard as I could. Because when I looked at him, I knew that he was doing something ugly behind my back. And I'm not going to take it from him. So I just slapped him as hard as I could. Knocked him down on the floor. That's the logic in these charges. Because Jack Smith claims somehow he knows Trump and the others sought to delete Mar-a-Lago's security footage. (laughs) Not because they did anything wrong, but I knew he thought about it. He thought about it. So I'm going to go after him. (laughs) Trump spokesman Stephen Chung, in response, blasted the move from Smith as a continued desperate and flailing attempt by the Biden crime family and their Department of Justice to harass President Trump and those around him. Trump also said if he's elected president again, he's currently the leading GOP candidate for the White House. Just wanted to make sure you knew that. He would fire Smith. Trump also mentioned failed cases Smith's office has brought against other politicians. I told you about that. Former Virginia Governor Bob McDonald and against former Senator John Edwards. In the McDonald case, the conviction Smith's office got was overturned unanimously by the U.S. Supreme Court. Not a single, not a, one of the liberal justices didn't even vote for the guy. And then in the Edwards case, this was when John Edwards was running for president. Those charges failed. Edwards was acquitted on one. The jury deadlocked on the others with the DOJ not retrying him in the end. Trump said last night, I wouldn't keep him. Jack Smith, why would I keep him? He is, look, he's gone after other people. He's been overturned unanimously in the Supreme Court. He's destroyed destroyed a lot of lives. He's destroyed people. He's destroyed lives. He was Lois Lerner in the IRS case, which is one of the most egregious abuses What happened? The government had to apologize to people. He went after Christians. This is a guy. He's a wild man. I call him deranged. 
He went after the governor of Virginia, overturned unanimously, went after another senator and was overturned. What he's done is horrible, the abuse of power, it's prosecutorial misconduct. Do you think he got a little amped up up there in New Jersey last night? He was asked specifically if he thinks the legal troubles he faces from Smith is going to end up like the McDonald case or the Edwards case. Trump said he thinks history is going to remember this as an embarrassment for Democrats and for the nation. He added that he believes the reason the DOJ is bringing these charges is because they wanted to take him out in the GOP primary. But instead, he says, the cases have bolstered leads he already had over Ron DeSantis and all the other GOP candidates. Trump said he believes the public sees it his way, which is why he says his poll numbers keep going up in both the primary and the general. I think they'll end up being an embarrassment to the Democrats and an embarrassment to our country. They've lifted my poll numbers. In all fairness, Trump said, they didn't want to run against me. That's why they did it. They did this so I wouldn't get the nomination. It's actually had the reverse effect. Now the polls just came out. He's talking about yesterday. He said today. And I'm winning by like 40 to 45 points. I'm also beating Biden by a lot. And DeSantis is losing very badly to Biden. They don't want to run against me. That's why they did it. He he did his Trumpism. He just kept going on and on. You know what? I don't know if I could have had that conversation like he had with Breitbart last night, minutes after he got the word about what happened down in Florida after he left yesterday. Isn't it interesting to watch all this stuff? I mean, look back. Look in your rearview mirror. Trump was impeached twice. That's history. Our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids, and their kids and great-grandkids are all going to read about Donald Trump impeached twice. Only president ever to be impeached twice. And, of course, what the current-day history writers will leave out of there, he was not convicted of anything. But he was impeached. He was impeached. Impeachment is a political action. It's not a legal action. And they, I think, our forefathers made a mistake when they structured it that way. Why? Because if you get PO'd at your political opponent and you have a majority in the House and or the Senate, hey, you want to denigrate them? You want to drive them underground? You want to cost them a fortune? and make sure that their name and their faces are on the news every day, just impeach them. Forget about having any factual information. Trump was impeached for a telephone call with Volodymyr Zelensky. That happened when Joe Biden, we now find out, was already getting money from that Iranian business that Hunter just happened to go work for, Burisma. Hunter was getting $83,333 a month for sitting on their board of directors. One year, $1 million. And the founder of Burisma talking about Hunter Biden said his dog was smarter than Hunter. So why would you pay the guy $83,000 a month? One reason only. Hey, 
If you hire me and put me on the board, I'll set up phone calls and meetings with my daddy. My daddy. Do you know who my daddy is? By this point, folks, Hunter had worked it out to perfection. He knew exactly what to say. And it worked. Now, who is this maintenance man down there? Carlos D. Oliveira, head of maintenance, was charged in a superseding indictment. And here's what his charge is. Altering, destroying, mutilating, or concealing a document, making false statements, and conspiracy to obstruct justice. Those sound like very specific charges to you. They didn't charge him with altering, destroying, mutilating, and concealing a document. They charged him with altering, destroying, mutilating, or concealing a document. In other words, they hadn't got anything on him, but they're going to they're gonna do anything and everything to scare him to death, to tell him how much it's going to cost him to defend himself in federal court, and get him to turn on his boss. Same thing with the valet, Walt Nauta. D'Oliviera was ordered to appear in Miami in federal court Monday for his first hearing in the case. Do you think he's going to have a good weekend? D'Oliviera, oh, this is from CNBC, so just know when you hear this, it came from CNBC. D'Oliviera allegedly told another Mar-a-Lago employee that the boss wanted to delete a server containing surveillance footage according to the superseding indictment. He also allegedly told the FBI he was not involved in moving documents that officials sought, telling agents never saw anything. But they're saying D'Oliviera reportedly helped Nada move boxes of classified documents at Mar-a-Lago after the U.S. Department of Justice subpoenaed Trump for the remaining records last May. The indictment alleges Trump, Nada, and D'Oliviera asked Mar-a-Lago staffer to delete security footage to prevent it from ending up in front of a federal grand jury. Now, I'm Donald Trump. I own this amazing resort and golf club. I got lots of money. I'm going to ask, think about this, my valet and the head of maintenance, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to say, look, I want you to go to our IT guy and tell him I said I want to delete security footage to prevent it from ending up in front of a federal grand jury. Would y'all go do that for me? And then I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this one other little thing, and then we're gonna move on. So the judge has already set the trial date for the Mar-a-Lago stuff. May next year. I think it's May 20th. Okay, we've got, right now, we've got August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. That's 10 months. Let me tell you what the process is. You've got all these people now. You don't only have 
Donald Trump. You have Nada. You have De Oliveira. Who else are they going to bring into this? They're going to call for witnesses out the wazoo from the Trump side of everything. This whole thing is over what? Classified documents. Now, anytime there's a trial in which classified documents are part of the evidence, what has to happen? Listen to this. The attorneys on both sides of it have to go through a process to become classified document okay people to look and see all this. Now think about how many people that involves. You think Jack Smith does all this work by himself? Oh no, no he doesn't. All his staffers will have to go through classified hearing verification and that they're okay to see it all individually. And it's not uh, you go online and fill out a form and sign it online and send it in. It requires a background investigation for everybody. And last night, Jack Smith, he added another another name. <laughs> so they got to go. They got to go. D. Olivier is going to have a lawyer. That lawyer is going to have a staff at his law firm. Every one of them, including D. Oliveira, have to go through a classified investigation to make it okay for them to talk about, see, hear, listen to anything about classified documents. (laughs) This trial, I've told you this already, but this just further confirms it. Jack Smith, if he really wanted to do this and get it done before the 2024 election to make sure somehow Donald Trump can't run, if he was that what his purpose is, he wouldn't have done last night what he did because he just started he just started the calendar doll over again at zero. He's back in January now. There's no way this trial will possibly be able to happen in May next year. They'll be lucky to get it in 2025. Now, let me just tell you the insanity of this whole thing. What happens if Trump gets elected <laughs> in January, January 20th of 2025? He's sworn in. What do you think? What's the, what's the top 10 list of people he's going to shell <laughs> that very day if, it, if they haven't already resigned? You think Jack will have a job? <laughs> then what are you going to have? What do you have? Mayor Garland will be gone. <laughs> So you'll have the attorney general, the special prosecutor, and that means technically another prosecutor would have to be brought in to pick up the case and make it go forward. Who's going to volunteer for that job? And, and that person has to be appointed and confirmed. <laughs> and, and the president who the, the predecessor is trying to throw out of office He's going to be really excited about getting a good prosecutor in there to finish the case. This, none of this has anything to do with any legality or illegality. It's all about what Nancy Pelosi said. We all should have gone to school when she said back in 2019, 
when everybody was giving her grief about Joe Biden, the candidate, and she was doing one of her Thursday press meetings that she does. She gets she would get up and pontificate for an hour. She's up in front of a gaggle of reporters, and they were giving her grief. And she she got that finger out, you know, that she shook when she pointed it in the air. And she said, I don't care what you think. You can bet January 20th of 2021, I will inaugurate Joe Biden as the 46th president of the United States. How did she know that? Well, there was no way she had any idea to be certain of what the vote count was going to be, unless, of course, there was some premeditated fiddling planned (laughs) with the elections. Oh, my gosh. The emperor has no clothes. Yeah, I'm in a good mood this morning. It's just because these people are revealing to the world who they really are. And I'm excited about this. The American populace, people in the United States that Democrats think are dumber than dirt, especially those red state twerps down there that can't even think right, let alone understand the real world. They think we're all stupid. And look at what Donald Trump's numbers are. And when the new numbers come out, I think Tuesday, after this debacle last night, his numbers will continue to rise. And it's totally frustrating them. And they should be frustrated because they're manipulating the people and think that they are going to get away with doing it. So reaction from the Republicans last night, oh my gosh, furious to the coincidental timing of that new indictment. Additional charges, already 32 count indictment. Among the new charges, we told you what they are. Telling people to wipe a server. Trump is not a stupid man. He would be the last person I would ever think of that would ask an employee to do something illegal like that on a large scale like that. And the other thing people are forgetting about, Joe Biden kept his part of his 1,800 boxes of classified documents, he kept them in an office hallway with no lock closet at the Penn Center. And guess whose offices were right next door to the Penn Center offices? The Chinese government have offices there. He kept some in his garage. He kept some in his house. Mar-a-Lago, 24-7 secret service guarding every part of that Mar-a-Lago, 24-7. The American people understand that, and they also understand this is nothing, and I hate to say it because Trump used it so many times, justifiably, but I got tired of hearing it. This is another witch hunt. It really is. 
So let me give you five. I may not go all the way and give you five. One of them I've already given you. The parts of this new indictment. Trump is accused of seeking to delete that footage. Prosecutors name the new co-defendant. That's two. The boss wanted it done. Remember, that's the indictment that alleges D'Oliviera pushed Mar-a-Lago's director of IT, who was not charged or named in the indictment, by the way, to delete the footage. The footage wasn't deleted. Trump faces new charge over alleged Iran war plan presentation. Alleged. Prosecutors also brought another charge unrelated to the security footage revelations. The superseding indictment adds a 30-second count of willfully retaining national defense information, one more than previously. And this is a charge under the Espionage Act. Corresponds to a record Trump allegedly described in a July 2021 meeting with a book author and publisher at Bedminster. Portions of the transcript were included in the original indictment. CNN published an audio recording late last month. Go figure. How does CNN get in on it on the front end of everything? You know why. Document in question is reportedly a secret Pentagon document with plans to attack Iran. Trump had previously said he may not have had a physical document with him at the time. Now, prosecutors, of course, yesterday, they say new charges shouldn't affect the trial date. It will. It will. So looking back over our show, let me tell you, if you weren't at the top of the show, I told you one of the things we're going to listen to today is a 1999 interview, Dan Rather, then with 60 Minutes, CBS 60 Minutes. He did a segment with then entrepreneur business guy Donald Trump. And I'm telling you about it now. I'm not gonna, we're not gonna listen to it right now. We've got a few more things that I want to get in. Maybe toward the end of this hour, early in hour number two, we'll listen to that. You are not gonna want to miss it. It kind of makes, if I had any hair on my head, it would make the hair on my head stand up. It's really something. But we got a couple of other things to get into. Straight away, we're going to do that. 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dance. Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny. Where my Johnny is? Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The Real Dirty Dancing four-week event starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. 
Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Locked and loaded with Truth Ammo. Taking aim at the problem, it's Dan Newman. Just got this seconds ago. Let me tell you how classy your president is. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. That's the um, the leading uh, opponent as of this moment that Joe Biden has on the Democrat side for the presidency next year. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Formally put in a request with the Biden administration for Secret Service protection during the campaign, which is something that is offered every time by whoever's in the White House to the presidential candidates. Guess what Joe did? He said no. Well, you know, he's the president. He can make those kind of decisions, right? Put it in the context of what I just told you. Robert F. Kennedy. Why do you know that name? His dad was the attorney general under his uncle, John F. Kennedy. What happened to his dad? Well, he ran for president. And during the presidential campaign, he was shot and killed at a campaign event. Joe, Joe Biden, one of the classiest people ever to serve in government. I can't believe he has the kahunas to do this, but I guess he does. Speaking of Joe and kahunas, House Republicans have floated launching an impeachment inquiry against President Biden. And this comes amid the new allegations that suggest his involvement in the business dealings of his son, Hunter, really did happen. But can congressional lawmakers initiate the use of that constitutional tool for alleged treason, bribery, or high crimes and misdemeanors that transpired before holding the office of the presidency? The answer is clear. That came from Harvard Law professor Alan Dershowitz. And here's what the answer is, according to Dershowitz. Quote, nobody knows. (laughs) Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution says this. The president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. But it doesn't specify whether those alleged actions need to take place during the time the official holds the office. The crucial impeachment language in the Constitution is not limited to high crimes and misdemeanors committed while in office, that senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation, Hans von Spakovsky, I can't, I get tongue-tied saying that every time. That language is not there. Andy McCarthy noted that impeachment is a political process, not a legal one. When you ask lawyers these questions, what they tend to try to suggest 
is this is controlled by legal rules, and therefore they propose that the abuse of power that rises to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors must occur when the person is president. It has to be an abuse of presidential power, McCarthy said. Fact of the matter, though, is that impeachment is not controlled by legal rules, but political rules. Quoting then House Minority Leader Gerald Ford in 1970, McCarthy said this, quote, An impeachable offense is whatever a majority of the House of Representatives considers it to be at a given moment in history. The Constitution specifically assigns to Congress the determination of whether impeachable offenses were found, and under separation of powers, the court stays out of it, McCarthy said. Politically speaking, it is whatever Congress says it is. Yeah, like, you know, Democrats impeached Donald Trump because of not what was said in that phone call, that Ukrainian phone call, but what Democrats interpreted the meaning that Donald Trump had when he was on that phone call. (laughs) Former Whitewater prosecutor Robert Ray agreed the answer to the question is ultimately up to the House to decide The rule being, to paraphrase former President Ford, an impeachable offense is whatever a majority of the House of Representatives say it is. But Ray said he personally thinks the abuse has to take place when a president is in office. So, Republicans hold the majority in the House. The House Oversight Committee, led by Chairman James Comer of Kentucky, has been investigating the Biden family's alleged corrupt foreign business dealings for months. And whether President Biden, while serving as VP or after, had been involved. The president has fallen directly at the center of that investigation in the past couple of weeks as an unclassified FBI document, that FD-1023 form, was released containing allegations that Joe and Hunter coerced the CEO of Burisma Holdings to pay them millions of dollars in exchange for their help in getting the Ukrainian prosecutor investigating the company fired. And, oh, by the way, they held him hostage for $10 million, and we have the bank transfer records to show that it was sent to the Biden folks. That FD-1023 form is part of an ongoing federal investigation. Since then, GOP leaders have suggested a possibility of an impeachment inquiry, not suggesting yet an actual impeachment, but an inquiry, saying the American people have a right to know if the criminal bribery scheme allegations are true and whether Biden was tangled up in his son's business dealings. As for the criminal bribery allegations, McCarthy said the framers of the Constitution were most animated by maladministration but also by the possibility that a president can be controlled by foreign powers. The founders were concerned if a foreign power had corrupted the president. It just seems to me that the possibility that a president could be purchased or a person who occupies the office of the presidency could be purchased by a corrupt foreign government is not necessarily limited to his time in power. McCarthy added this, if I bribe you with $10 million three years before you're president, I still own you when you're president. 
He said there's nothing in the Constitution that says a high crime and misdemeanor has to be an abuse of power by the incumbent. But Ray and also Lawrence Tribe, who's a professor of constitutional law emeritus at Harvard, interpret that the alleged abuse should take place while the president is in office. And they said it has to be an abuse of office. But it, it doesn't matter. Neither Ray or Tribe are in Congress in the House. And we all know the House is where formal impeachment actions must begin constitutionally. And if the House passes articles of impeachment, they then turn those over to the Senate. And the Senate determines two things. Number one, is there enough here that came over from the House for us to try the offender, the alleged offender? In this case, it would be Joe Biden. And two, have the trial take a vote and the Senate determines if Biden should be removed from the presidency or not. That is in the Constitution, as it should be. So this is, we only have three terms in history where we've had presidential impeachment. Did you know that? Only three previous times. Who were they? And what were the circumstances? As President Biden faces the possibility of an impeachment inquiry, let's look back at the three presidents who have been impeached and why. Look at this. Back in 1868, Andrew Johnson was the first president to be impeached. Congress produced 11 articles of impeachment, charged him with violating the Tenure of Office Act. So uh, it was the final straw was basically when he replaced the Secretary of War. His name was Edwin Stanton, who was appointed by Lincoln, and he was a Republican who favored the civil rights for freed African Americans. He also vetoed a lot of bills that he thought were too harsh on the South. But it turns out, years later, the Supreme Court determined that, that act was unconstitutional. So he should not have been impeached. The second one was Bill Clinton, as we all remember. 1998, two articles of impeachment were passed by the House, charged with lying under oath to a federal grand jury and obstructing justice. This all revolved around his relationship with Monica Lewinsky, and he was encouraging White House staffers to deny his affair. Then the third one, we all lived through this. This was uh, President Donald Trump. He was impeached twice, first president to ever be impeached twice. The first one was uh, 2019 for that phone call with Zelensky, and the last one was 2020, and that was the incitement for insurrection. Charges stemmed from the phone call with the president of Zelensky. That was the first one. And then the second one was January 6th. All right, let's come over here because Newt Gingrich was uh, involved in the impeachment of uh, Bill Clinton. He was Speaker of the House at the time and joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Speaker. You. Well, great to have you here. We're, we're hearing McCarthy is now saying that there's possi possibility of an impeachment inquiry. Do you think this is a good idea? Yeah, I think Speaker McCarthy has it about right. Uh, the next step is to learn a lot more. And if you have a impeachment inquiry, you have a much broader range of Congress insisting that people answer. Uh, we have really two parallel stories. One is the corruption of the Biden family. The other is the corruption of the Justice Department, which we just saw yesterday when Hunter Biden's secret deal collapsed in court. Uh, and <clears throat> I think... Uh, having an impeachment inquiry, which may or may not lead to impeachment, but it's going to lead to a lot more evidence coming out. Uh, and the case against uh, Joe Biden is going to get worse and worse. And, frankly, the case against the attorney general and the Justice Department is going to get worse and worse. So I think Speaker McCarthy is about right. Calm, measured, get the facts, 
do whatever you have to do to get those facts and then see where it leads to. But don't don't leap ahead and assume you know more than you do. If it does lead to an impeachment, what are the consequences? Well, <clears throat> I think it's very hard to see the Senate uh, ultimately convicting, as you noted in the other three impeachment examples, uh, the Senate ultimately stopped them. Uh, and I think for two reasons. One is the Senate still has a lot of Democrats. It takes a two-thirds majority to convict. Uh, and the other is the prospect that if you were to remove Joe Biden with all of his weaknesses, with the corruption, with the cognitive decline, you'd get Kamala Harris. And I think most Americans would agree that Kamala Harris is a much greater danger to the country as president. Uh, than Joe Biden is. So mm -hmm. I think the important thing here, though, is to get out in the open what the facts are. And frankly, the, the, the Republicans in the House have an opportunity to, to stop this whole thing uh, by simply cutting off funding on September 30th for the Justice Department's various activities and insisting that all the records be turned over that relate uh, to the Biden. And I think it's ultimately going to go back and relate to the Clinton Foundation. These were two centers of corruption that people are going to be shocked at how much money was involved and how many foreigners were involved. These, these, these are to both cases where foreigners were giving lots of money to U.S. government officials. <clears throat> we deserve to know the details. I mean, it's, if you don't get it out in the open, you're never going to get it cleaned up. Mr. Speaker, thank you for joining us. Now, that conversation, you heard Newt Gingrich talking about the Senate weighing in, and the Senate would finally have the final say-so in spending cuts, cutting off the DOJ, would be one way to get compliance out of uh, the Biden administration. Well, yesterday, the Senate Appropriations Committee cleared their final batch of government funding bills in a vote that advance major funding proposals for various departments. This marks the first time in five years that all 12 individual appropriations bills were passed by the committee in the Senate with what's being called overwhelming bipartisan support before the end of July. The bills totaling billions in funding include appropriations for the DOD, the Interior, Environment, Related Agencies, Labor, Health and Human Services, education and related agencies, and homeland security. In a joint statement yesterday, Senators Patty Murray of Washington and Susan Collins of Maine, chair and vice chair of the Senate Appropriations Committee, celebrated what they had accomplished. Ms. Murray and Ms. Collins emphasized their commitment to returning the committee to regular order and working through tough circumstances to achieve what they're calling a historic feat. What I do, and what I call it, is, hey, you just did your job. And we know in the Senate that's unusual. They said there's more to do. We still have to get these bills passed through the full Senate and the House and signed into law. That's our focus moving forward. However, what this committee has achieved over the last several weeks shows that it is possible for Congress to work together and work through real differences, to find common ground and produce serious bipartisan bills that can be signed into law. Listen, I've got a $100 bill. Anybody listening that wants to take me on in this bet, just text me, no, email me, dan at truthnewsnet.org, dan at truthnewsnet.org. There will not be a Senate-finished 
spending bill by the end of September. That's what I'm saying. If you think it will be there, let me know. We're on. I'll bet you 100 bucks it won't happen. And it'll be the first one that uh, <laughs> uh, the earliest time on the email that you send. That would mean, to get it done by the end of September, it would mean that not only the Senate, <laughs> the Senate and the House would still have to agree on it, and it would be done, and you know whatever spending bill comes out of the U.S. Congress, either House put together both of them, Joe Biden's going to sign it into law because it means he's got more money to spend. That's what it's all about, right? Some kind of very disturbing news came out overnight. China, we find out, is likely providing already military aid to Russia. Chinese technology is driving Russia's ongoing war in Ukraine, helping Moscow to evade international sanctions. China's regime, which is dead, hard-left communist, is helping Russia to evade sanctions and is likely providing Russia with military and dual-use technology for use in Ukraine. And this is coming from our very own office of the Director of National Intelligence. China is providing some dual-use tech that Moscow's military uses to continue the war despite an international cordon of sanctions and export controls. That's in this report. Customs records show China's state-owned defense companies shipping navigation equipment, jamming technology, and fighter jet parts to sanction Russian government-owned defense companies. The CCP, that's the Chinese Communist Party, rules China as a single-party state. They deny sending any military equipment to Russia. However, the two authoritarian powers have vowed to uphold a no-limits partnership throughout the war, up to and including what they call strategic coordination. Listen, Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin are in each other's pockets all the time. They're best buddies. I don't know if they like each other, hate each other, but when you're two, number two and number three military powers on the planet, right behind the United States, you got to come together you got to come together. One thing I can tell you about being number two or number three at anything, you don't want to be number two or number three. You want to be number one. Xi Jinping makes it clear almost every day. He wants to be number one in the economic section and in the military section on the planet. Vladimir Putin is just praying he can grab a hold and go along for the ride with communist China. It shouldn't shock anybody that we found out China's helping Russia in all this. I mean, come on now. I just got a note. Are we through talking about (laughs) this impeachment stuff today? No, we're not through. We're going to circle back, but I wanted to make sure we got in some of the other big things of the day. I didn't want to miss anything and leave anything or anybody out. We're going to be back. We're about to finish our first hour. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take another break right now. And here's what we'll do. On the other side of this break, I told you Dan Rather, a 1999 interview with Donald Trump, then obviously not in politics. We're going to go there. We'll come out of this break. 
Lost you for a second. We'll come out of this break and we'll go right into that Dan Rather interview with Donald Trump. Now remember, this is way before TV, way before politics. This is Donald Trump as an entrepreneur. But some things haven't changed. It's a lot to take in, but when you need a refresher, it's all here. 24-7, 365. Every podcast, every blog. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. (laughs) heard that before you deserve to save i know i need you to hear me you deserve to save i deserve to save i mean he has a way of making you feel seen bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com ready to take your jenga skills to the next level if you are an all-star at building towers and balancing blocks then build up the competition in new jenga maker playing teams to finish first and claim the crown Jenga and new Jenga Maker. Reach the top of your game, each sold separately. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you can see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24/7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. You know, I just had a note that I wrote to myself before we went live on the show today, and I wanted to make sure that we, at some point, we mentioned something that's very important for everybody, especially across our nation now as we're going through this massive heat issue. There are people out there that are really getting in trouble health-wise because of the heat. And so I started looking into some factual information. I want to find out about climate change in our history, world history, and what it has done and what it's doing today in comparison to what it's done in our past. And I, I learned a shocking piece of factual scientific, uh, scientific information regarding problems that humans have had through history. How have they been comparing heat problems and cold problems? And did you know, historically, human beings through history have more and more Multiple times more people die because of cold than people die because of heat. I couldn't believe that. So I went and found another source that confirmed it. Historically, twice as many people in world history since we've been keeping up with the numbers, twice as many die every year from cold then die every year from heat. Yet you would you would listen to the climate alarmist 
people like John Kerry, people like Joe Biden. We're going to die. We're going to die. We've got to get control of it. We're going to burn to death. We're not going to burn to death. It's more likely for all of us, if you figure out we're going to die in a weather-related event, other than floods or hurricanes or tornadoes, but a climate issue, we're twice as likely we're going to die because of cold than we are because of hot. You know, it's just one of those things. Facts do matter sometimes to some people, not necessarily, and especially to people that find ways to weaponize disinformation against the American people and keep the Americans scared to death and keep the Americans writing those checks and sending them up here to Joe Biden at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C., because I need all your money. We got we to gotta stop this climate change. Wanted to make sure I got that in. Here's Dan Rather. If there would be a poster boy to represent America at the turn of the millennium, the celebration of celebrity, the rich almost reeking of prosperity, continuing proof that the American dream exists, then Donald Trump's picture might best fill the frame. His name is on buildings, his face is in magazines and newspapers. Both are on the covers of three previous books, all bestsellers, and now he's coming out with a fourth. But this time, he's not talking only about his prowess to make millions of dollars. Now, he is also talking about his hope to win millions of voters. That's right. New York City developer Donald Trump says he wants to be President of the United States. Donald Trump had lots to celebrate on New Year's Eve. The booming economy has filled his Atlantic City casinos with big spenders, his New York City buildings with wealthy buyers, and his mind and heart with the ultimate dream. I am absolutely serious about conceivably running for the office of president. And if I run, and if I won, I think I'd be a really good president. Prepared to take that roll out of your pocket, take the rubber band off and start counting out real money? Well, as I've said, I'd be prepared to spend $100 million on the race if necessary. Spending that money would be as easy as pounding a nail. He is worth an estimated $1.5 billion. They go with the mirror and then the splash. He inherited a small fortune from his father, himself a builder. How do you like the way it came out, the curtain? Great. But the sun has taken developing and his assets to heights taller and more dazzling than any skyscraper. Good detail. For Trump, the best things in life are not free. What's the sticker price on this thing? Well, it's about $350, I guess. And look at this. It's just his weekend home in Palm Beach, Mar-a-Lago. All 118 rooms of the place. His newest golf club is just down the road. Round so, figures, what did it cost you to build it? $35 million. Well, it's not much if you say it quickly. Nothing well, green goes unmentioned. $3 million, this area right here. This will be one of the great courses of the world. But his life wasn't so great a few years ago when he was $900 million in personal debt and teetering on the brink of oblivion. And And now my company's much bigger, much stronger, much more powerful than it ever was before. Because at certain times when it seemed that there was just no hope, those are the times that turned out to be the best for me because I don't give up. Come on, let's go. Where Trump was on the go to last month was California for two days. Very nice group. He's beginning his so-called presidential exploratory trip. 
Traveling as a president on Air Force One could be a downgrade. He has masterpieces in the back and a master bedroom up front. We tagged along to see if he was serious or just showing off. Day one had three events. First, a press conference with very little press. Well, I'm here for a number of reasons. Uh, tomorrow, as you know, uh, there's a big speech at the uh, arena. And uh, I guess we have about 20,000 people for that. And then uh, tonight we're doing Jay Leno. Trump seemed not to mind sharing the spotlight with his girlfriend at the time, a European model named Melania Knauss. Next on the campaign trail, the pre-taping of that Leno show. And our guest tonight, the next president of the United States, Donald Trump, once caught a sexually transmitted disease from himself. <laughs> <laughs> He'll tease me, there's no question about it. He historically has. He always will. They say a job like president requires a big ego. Now, do you think... <laughs> you think you can handle it? I'm not sure my ego is big enough. That's one of the things which I can... Really? Can I write that down? Uh, you can write <laughs> Last on Trump's day calendar, a meeting with the group he must win over to even make a run at the presidency. California Reform Party loyalists. Political consultant Scott Reed explains. Well, the Reform Party was really created back in 1992 when Ross Perot saw a niche and he saw that the people were disgusted with the direction of the country. And Donald Trump now has stepped back and recognized that he wants to be a major influence in national politics and he's decided to go out and attempt to become the nominee. Well, it's a great honor to be here. It's a great honor that so many folks have shown up. Uh, tomorrow, and, and you're all invited as my guest, I'm giving a little speech, and I just heard that 21,000 people are showing up, so I don't know. I think we can... People picking up campaign literature found it to be mostly just promotional stuff for Trump's new book. They felt no better when Trump seemed unaware of the party platform. Well, nobody knows what the Reform Party platform is, to be totally honest with you, because... because to be, to be honest And he then ignored the Reform Party position not to attack fellow candidates, like Pat Buchanan and his new ally, Lenora Falani. So you have an ultra-right and a communist together. This is the partnership. You can have that partnership. Opening night of Trump on the stump got mixed reviews. I was disappointed because I felt that he... Um, I thought he was very attacking of, of other members of the party, which I thought was very disrespectful. I think he came, I think you heard what he had to say, and we're excited. I think he's a oh. con man and ought to go back to New York. Why? Because he's coming out here just trying to destroy our party. That's the way I look at it. The way Trump looks at it, he's at least better than everyone else in the race, beginning with John McCain. A little bit. I mean, he was captured. So and he flew combat missions with distinction. Does being captured make you a hero? I don't know. I'm not sure. George W. Bush. Well, so far I've been very, very saddened by the fact that he certainly doesn't seem like Albert Einstein. Do you think he'd been governor if his father had not been president? No. Well, Bill Bradley. Uh, a man who I just don't have tremendously high regard for, and I think he'd be a terrible president. The late Sam Rayburn of Texas was quoted once as saying of the people Lyndon Johnson picked around him, I'd feel better if they'd at least run for sheriff one time in their life. 
You understand the spirit and the essence of that. Sure, I do, but I know the politicians, and I know how... Hey, look, I know politicians. I know politicians perhaps better than you know politicians, and you interview them all the time. I deal with them all the time, at almost every level. Well, certainly you've given them more money than I have. I've given them a lot of money, and they come to my office, and they ask for a lot of money, and within the system, I give it. And, I mean, I know these folks well, and some are dumber than a rock, and... I know who they are. I know the smart ones. I know the not-so-smart ones. And I know that I can do a very good job. The only job Trump is doing, according to marketing expert Jack Trout, is a snow job. It's one of the great media scams, I think, of, of all time, from, from his point of view. I don't think Donald uh, accepts any bad press. I think just as long as you spell his name right, I think he's pleased. Then why is he doing it? Well, I think in his own mind, beyond feeding his ego, uh, he see, I think he sees it as a help to his business because there's also Trump the brand as, as well as Trump the ego. And he has his name on everything. Trump the brand and Trump the ego. Both at play. Part of what Donald Trump is about is selling the name. And how better to sell the name than to run for president? Am I wrong about I that? I can understand it, Dan, and I'm not holding you. I haven't changed my opinion of you at all by you saying that. But the fact is that uh, I'm very serious about it. I'm looking at it very seriously. And I wouldn't be surprised if I said yes. Let's talk about your values. What are your values? Well, I think I'm a great father. I have fantastic children, four great children. And I believe in family, I believe in marriage, I believe in religion. You said, do you value family? I do value family. In fact, I think the biggest disappointment was that I haven't had the kind of marriage that I had hoped I would. But they have been the kind the gossip press loves. There was Ivana, the divorce. She then ridiculed him with the name, The Donald. Then there was Marla, first the headline, the best sex I ever had, and then the marriage. And tonight we had, had the perfect ceremony that was blessed by God. So. The divorce was six years later. As a person, as a man, what's the best thing about him? He's a loyal man. And what's the worst thing about him? I don't have the worst thing. Well, there has to be something. Nobody's perfect. I don't have it. He's <laughs> doing a good job. Wow. Donald, I think you would agree, this is not your average thinking about running for president picture. I would say this is a little bit different, I agree with that. This is a little bit different. And different, too, was the main event on his second day of campaigning in California. Amazing man, Donald Trump! Remember those 21,000 people Trump said were waiting for him? It turns out they were there for motivational speaker Tony Robbins. Trump was the paid entertainment. He says his fee was $100,000. His message appeared less high-minded than mean-spirited. Get even. When somebody... When somebody screws you, screw them back, but a lot harder, folks. Afterwards, Trump continued acting less the presidential candidate than politically incorrect. You know, it's amazing. She looks so conservative. She's got the glasses and everything. The only problem is she's hardly got a dress on. Okay, go ahead. 
the beautiful woman in the white semi-blouse. How do I go about creating the capital that I need to start my business when all I have is my knowledge and my dream? Meet a wealthy guy. It should not be surprising that Trump has some popularity with the kind of people building his newest skyscraper, blue-collar working men. They enjoy the Donald, acting like the Don. Hey, don't everybody! But these are among the few attaboys he's getting. Recent CBS News polls find that Trump has the highest unfavorable vote the poll has ever recorded. Business consultant Jack Trout says it reveals Trump's true intentions. Number one, he would never spend the money. Uh, he would not spend that kind of money to lose, and he knows he would lose. So he's getting what he really wants, which is to be treated uh, at a higher level. Would you go so strong to say he doesn't have a prayer? I would say he doesn't have a prayer, yes. I was, to me, there, there, are, there, are, there are marketing situations which, uh, as we say, the impossible is impossible. This is one of them. Mr. Trump, please, thank you. Nice. Trump says he will announce a decision in February. Meanwhile, he's living the life of the man who has everything. He may no longer be dancing with Melania. They broke up just a few days ago. But his flirtation with the public and the presidency is far from over. Whether or not some of the so-called Trump magic in terms of real estate, in terms of hotels, in terms of everything, translate into votes, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe people will pay me $10 million to live in a building that I built, but they won't pay me two cents to press a lever saying Trump for president. That's possible. Can you believe that? That was 1999. Think about that, 24 years ago. Now, fast forward to 2015 when he and Melania, by the way, uh, they kind of got back together. I think you probably picked up on that. They came down the escalator from Trump Tower. Donald Trump was still Donald Trump of 1999. A little wiser, no doubt about it, but just as braggadocia. I mean, he was the same Donald Trump. Deion Sanders, when he was a Dallas Cowboy, he got accused of bragging a lot. And on ABC Monday Night Football in an interview, Howard Cosell confronted him about bragging. And Deion Sanders, he replied with an age-old wise saying that still is quoted all the time. It ain't bragging if you can do it. Donald Trump did a whole lot of things that he bragged about when he became president, he did a whole lot of things that he bragged about during the campaign. And oh, by the way, bragged about in 1999 with Dan Rather on 60 Minutes. Can Trump do it again? I don't know. Just like those experts, Trout, that political expert, you just heard him right there. Oh, there's no way. There's no way. It's impossible. And Trump did it again. I'll never forget election night in 2016. I'll never forget watching, flipping over and watching CNN. 
and how those people were in shock. MSNBC the same way. CBS, NBC, ABC, everybody was in shock when they saw what was happening. And they still today either refuse to understand or don't understand there's something in human nature that attracts people to certain people. What is that? When you feel a sense of credibility that that person, and it is so rare in politics, but when you get a sense of feeling from watching, listening to, talking to in some cases, reading what they write, when you do all of those things, and somebody resonates with something inside of you, you feel like that person really is genuine. Deep down inside, they're real. And that is the big thing that separates Trump from any other politician I can think of since I've even realized what politics were back in the mid-60s. Reagan came close, and he got treated a lot of the same ways that Donald Trump has been getting treated. The same way. Too outspoken, too braggadocious, too loud, too politically incorrect. In my own family, we had people that loved the idea of Trump but could not stand the way he messaged and talked to people. A lot of people, a lot of people held their noses and voted for him because they heard what he said. And when they put all of the bravado to the side and started looking inside at his life, not what he said, but what he had done in the way of success in the things that he went after. Yeah, he messed up a couple of times. But business people understand you don't always knock a home run in business. Sometimes you're going to fly out. Sometimes you'll hit into a double play. But if you keep working, doing the fundamentals that you know will work, you're confident they will. You look around and see people that have done it in your past or around you, and you keep doing the right things over and over and over again. Guess what happens? You'll succeed eventually. Americans recognize that trait in Donald Trump. And that's why he's still today, though the Trouts, the political experts from 1999 that said there's no way it's impossible Donald Trump would ever become president, they're still out there. They're still saying the same things again, and they think they can throw rocks at him. They can create incorrect, illegal things to try to do to him to keep him from going back to Washington, D.C. They may be successful, but if they are, it won't be because of somebody beating him square up in the political process. It will be because... He's illegally and unethically attacked over and over and over again by people who try to present themselves as the same fundamental person as a Donald Trump. 
not with his Gargarian attitude, his braggadocia, not with that, but they think they can be substantive, but they don't know how. Donald Trump not only knew how, he showed us all he could do it. And even though Jack Smith is out there trying to hang Trump just like he tried to hang the former governor of Virginia and a former senator and several other people and got busted by the courts, Jack Smith's out there trying to do it again. And we're just going to keep watching to see what happens there. We're going to take a break on the other side of it. Will President Biden pardon his son, Hunter, if Hunter gets hung with the liability for the crimes that he almost certainly has committed? Will Joe pardon his son? Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, that went in my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Join the Truth News Net Army of the Informed. Be on the cutting edge when a new story is posted at TNN. Sign up at the homepage of truthnewsnet.org. We never share, we never sell your email. The only thing we're selling is the truth. Join the TNN family today. We're growing from Bangor, Maine to Saigon, from Berlin to Moscow, from Rio Linda to Krakow, Poland, from Sevilla, Spain to McAllen, Texas, and Caribou Landing, Canada, from Salzburg, Zurich, and Milan to Shreveport, Louisiana, and all points in between. TNN has been named the single most important source of conservative American political news by the University of Moscow. It's regularly heard in Washington, D.C., and every major capital on every continent. Be part of this mass migration from propaganda to truth. Sign up today. Thanks for being a part of our worldwide family. TNN. Truthnewsnet.org. Come in for workout gear. Leave feeling empowered. Come in for snack time. Leave more fulfilled. Because when you shop at Target, you leave with what you value most. Like healthy foods for your family. And brands that lift our communities. At Target, the things that matter are always within reach. What we value most shouldn't cost more. We have, we're actually not having yet, but a pending impeachment inquiry, according to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. The House is looking into that. It's not an impeachment. It's an inquiry. What happens in an inquiry, the House is able to put some more tools in their tool belt to go find facts, go out there and get some facts about some things that uh, it's really hard for the House to get right now because people in the Department of Justice, the IRS, and other agencies 
or remiss to help them go after or even to think about going after this sitting president. So, everybody's asking the question now. If Hunter Biden gets convicted of anything, will his dad pardon him? So social media users yesterday were pretty skeptical of the claim that Biden would not issue a presidential pardon for Hunter. And this came up at the White House yesterday. Fox News' Mark Meredith asked White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre about the possibility as Hunter Biden faces ongoing legal issues and ongoing federal investigations. Meredith asked, I know you said not a lot has changed since yesterday, and it's a personal matter, but from a presidential perspective, is there any possibility that the president would end up pardoning his son? Jean-Pierre immediately, she just immediately said, no. I just said no. I just answered. So various Twitter users express same doubts as mine on the response. Here's one. Why would he need to? His own DOJ just tried to slip a blanket immunity deal past a federal judge. Another one said, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre told reporters no, the president would not pardon his son, Hunter. Trending Politics co-owner Colin Rugg agreed. Why would Hunter Biden need to be pardoned when the DOJ is actively working to protect the entire Biden crime family? Hmm. No one actually believes Corinne Jean-Pierre here. KJP says there's no possibility Joe Biden will pardon his son, Hunter. Sure, sure. Alusha Chronicle. Editor Jennifer Cabrera joked with that. New York Post columnist Miranda Devine advised, pin that one on the wall. For which crimes? Real Clear Investigations editor-at-large Benjamin Weingarten asked. American Spectator publisher Melissa McKenzie tweeted, "Uh uh-huh, that's because they're counting on the fact that there's no possibility he gets more than a wrist slap. And as I'm reading you these tweets, I'm looking at the new Twitter logo, that funky-looking X in the right-hand corner. It feels kind of strange looking at that. Anyway, following a years-long investigation by the DOJ, Hunter Biden was charged with two misdemeanor tax charges. Though he was expected to plead guilty as part of that plea deal to not have any jail time for a felony gun charge, Federal judge two days ago rejected the deal, leading to a not guilty plea. So all of that stuff is still hanging up there in the air. Justice Department also admitted at the time that Hunter is still under federal investigation for potential FARA violations. Now, let me just say this. I don't do this often, but I'm going to do it now. It's my show. I've got the microphone. He, Hunter Biden, multiple times, over and over and over and over, violated the FARA Act. What is it? Federal Agency Registration Act. If you are in the United States and you are working in the United States for an entity, an overseas 
entity or working with an overseas entity and you're interacting with the federal government here, you have to register with the State Department. Now, no one can credibly say that Hunter Biden didn't do that. I mean, he didn't even try, he didn't even try to hide it. He was getting money left and right, working for Burisma, getting money from China, from Romania, from Ukraine. He never registered. And people go to jail for that. So all of the elements of that plea deal, they're gone. They're gone. They're not even in play now. Now that judge did give Hunter Biden and his attorneys and the prosecutors 30 days to go back and see if they can reshape some kind of plea deal and bring it back to her in 30 days. But she made it very clear. It's got to be real. It's got to be very, very clear. And everybody needs to know all of the ramifications of it that day, 30 days from when uh, this hearing was, and going forward. Jean-Pierre at the White House, she's repeatedly avoided and shut down any questions by reporters about Hunter, claiming that Hunter is a private citizen and the situation is a personal matter. Yeah, right, private citizen. You and I paid for a motorcade. He's in Wilmington, Delaware, two days ago at the federal courthouse, and there's a long line of those black cars and dozens of Secret Service agents that you and I are paying for. But he's a private citizen, Jean-Pierre said. I know many people have been following the news in Delaware today, she said, this is Jean-Pierre, and are going to have a lot of questions. And so here's what I'll say at the top before I turn it over to my colleague, the Admiral. Hunter Biden is a private citizen. This was a personal matter for him. As we have said, the president, the first lady, they love their son. They support him as he continues to rebuild his life. She, Corrie Jean-Pierre, has also been accused of changing the language surrounding the president's involvement with the son. Now, we've heard Joe dozens and dozens of times in public when asked, have you ever participated in conversations about Hunter Biden's overseas business deals? Consistently, Joe Biden says, absolutely not. I've never talked to my son or my brother, Jim, about their overseas businesses. And he gets mad at the people that are asking the question. Well, Jean Paris apparently in a very, very obvious opportunity to try to change the narrative of that. She was asked the other day the same thing. Is the president still saying he's never been involved in any conversations about overseas work by Hunter? She said, I've been asked this question a million times. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. And I'm quoting her. So I've been, I've been asked this question a million times. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. The president was never in business with his son. I just don't have anything else to add. She said that on Tuesday. That's not what the president has ever said. 
at least publicly. I don't know that he's ever been asked that. He said, I was not talking to Hunter about any overseas business deals. And John Perry t- turned it. She changed the whole thing. Quote, the president was never in business with his son. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't understand all this. By the way, just letting you know some of the chaos that goes on around the world when all of a sudden it just seems like we can't talk about anything else but impeachment. We don't talk about the Ukrainian war anymore. We don't talk about corruption and law enforcement across the nation. But did you know that private security in the U.S. from coast to coast is booming? Thanks in part to money from defund the police supporters. You knew this would all come down. Back in the uh, that summer two years ago, remember when chaos erupted across the nation? Black Lives Matter, where they were instigating all of these riots and stuff. There were five over 500 riots around the nation that summer. And those on the left started screaming and hollering about defunding the police. That was in the wake of the George Floyd murder in Minneapolis. And it just got louder and louder and louder. The billionaire founder of eBay, I bet you couldn't tell me his name. That guy lavished money on activist groups calling for law enforcement to be defunded or abolished wholesale, while he also invested heavily in private security startups. Now think about it. If you can create or get involved in an industry and you can buy cheap and then drive up the value of that industry by using your bully pulpit, your platform, to go out and just cajole people to get involved with you, that's a good way to make a bunch of money. The idea of defund the police for everyone else, but I have the resources to be able to pay to have your own private security around you 24-7, pretty hypocritical, said Brett Christensen, who, by the way, recently started his very own security company. So who are we talking about, the billionaire? Pierre Omidor, whose wealth Bloomberg values at $9.81 billion, showered money on anti-police groups following the murder of George Floyd in 2020. In June of that year, foundations connected to this billionaire, Omidor, announced donations of half a million dollars to organizations on the front lines fighting to protect and advance black lives. So the movement for black lives, for example, got about 300000 from the Omidar Network that year, and that's according to tax records. The abolitionist organization promotes the dissolution of cops, prisons, and all other institutions that inflict violence on black people. Now that's from its own website. When we say defund and abolish the police, we mean exactly that. Movement for Black Lives wrote that in a past press release. The Omidar Network donated another $1.3 million to two other organizations to sponsor the website defundpolice.org. 
At the same time, Omidar was privately investing in companies capitalizing on the growing demand for, guess what, security. Bond, a New York-based company that bills itself as the Uber for bodyguards, listed Omidar as one of its main investors. Bond referenced civil unrest and rising crime in its 2020 marketing materials. Omidar also invested in the AI-based security camera system Deep Sentinel. That's according to one journalist. Deep Sentinel's vice president of marketing told Fox News business has just skyrocketed in the past year. Representative Cori Bush, you know her. She is a loud mouth that trumpets anti-police all the time. She's from Missouri. She herself, well, basically it was her campaign, paid big bucks for private security while she was loudly calling for cuts to police budgets. Her campaign funneled tens of thousands of dollars to her husband for private security this year. And back in 2021, the Missouri Democrat was asked about her spending on personal protection. I'm going to quote her. Suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. That why her, while her campaign contributors were paying for her own personal private security. The private security industry has been booming in the United States. Security guard employment spiking after the 9-11 attacks rising again in the past few years. It's absolutely growing with the defund the police movement. That's put a big strain on public services for safety. Christensen started Iron Goat Defense after a 20-year career in the Coast Guard, working primarily in counter-drug operations in Central and South America, as well as counter-terrorism and piracy operations in Africa and the Middle East. I was not happy with the quality of the security guards you would see out in the public eye. He said he started the San Diego-based company with the goal of providing a better trained, better quality of guard. Private security guards outnumber uniform cops by more than 40%. That's according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. There were an estimated 1.1 million security guards across America last year. That's a 7% increase from 2020. Meanwhile, there are about 655,890 police and sheriff's patrol officers though that excludes some law enforcement positions like detectives and specialty police like game wardens. Christensen said the defund the police movement and political rhetoric have contributed to ongoing law enforcement staffing shortages and as a result, longer response times. He sees private security guards as both a deterrent to crime and a safety net when police are slow to respond in an emergency. My roommate in college lives in South Florida. I've mentioned, he's been on this show before. I won't mention his name. But he started a international security company decades ago. And he does work, his operation, they do work all over the world. It's a booming industry. So here we have this billionaire private guy And he's out there funding, defund the police operations, not-for-profits around the nation, while he starts his own security firm. I don't know if that's illegal. 
<laughs> but it sure sounds unethical to me. But nevertheless, capitalism, if you get away with it and it's not illegal, that's how capitalism works. Golly, we're running out of time. We only have 20 minutes left in this show. I've, I've got somebody I want you to hear from in just a second, a detransitioner. Really a great story, a sad story, but a great story. Chloe Cole is her name. But before we hear from Chloe, Jim Jordan yesterday, um, he got into some heavy new information that his committee has found about the White House and their aggressive censorship of free speech for all Americans. And it's real and it's happening. And of course, the Democrats, especially those in the White House, they don't want us to know about it. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation, and Facebook needs to move more quickly to remove harmful, uh, uh, violative posts. Posts that will be within their policies for removal often remain up for days. That's too long. The information spreads too quickly. And now we know that Facebook dutifully took its orders from the White House. Congressman Jim Jordan and the Judiciary Committee just released documents showing how Facebook routinely caved to the Biden administration's pressure to censor Americans. In an April 2021 email from a Facebook employee to CEO Mark Zuckerberg and COO Sheryl Sandberg, it said, we're facing continued pressure from external stakeholders, including the Biden White House, to remove posts. That same month, Facebook's president for global affairs told his team that Biden COVID advisor Andy Slavitt was outraged that they didn't remove a particular post. Joining me now is House Judiciary Committee Chair Jim Jordan. Congressman, what was that post? Oh, it was a meme. It was one of these like class action lawsuits. It said, you know, if you've been harmed by COVID, call 1-800. It was one of these kind of things. So they were even, even censoring a, a meme for goodness, some humor. Um, and here's the kicker, Laura. They knew it was wrong. One of those Facebook exec executives said, this is a significant incursion into the boundaries of free expression. That is a fancy way of saying this violates the First Amendment, for goodness sake. But because they were, the White House was outraged, because Jin Psaki stood there at the podium, what you just played in the White House and demanded this happen, because the White House was demanding it and they wanted to keep their cozy relationship with the Biden administration, they censored First Amendment speech. That's what this clearly shows. And frankly, we got more documents that we're reviewing that I think are going to show it even more so. What can be done about this as long as Biden is in the White House? I mean, presumably this is continuing in some way, shape or form. Well, I don't I hope it's not continuing because we had that great federal court decision on July 4th in the Western District of, of Louisiana. Great decision. So I don't think it's going on now. But we got to make sure it doesn't go on in the future. It doesn't happen because we have this amazing thing in this greatest country ever called the First Amendment. So we're going to introduce, but Rand Paul and I have introduced legislation, Senator Paul, which would say if you're in the government and you're doing what was happening there, you get fired, you don't get your pension benefits, there can be civil liability that you're subject to, you lose any security clearance you may have. We want real penalties for people in the government engaging what Professor Turley called this censorship by surrogate, this coercion, this pressure from government mm. on private companies to censor speech, or what Matt Taibbi, by the way, Laura, Matt Taibbi said what we're beginning to uncover here is more significant than the Twitter files. And here's the, he was one of the primary authors of the Twitter files, and he's been attacked for some of the things he's done to expose this attack on the First Amendment. So, um, yeah, we have that bill and, and stopping what, what Mr. Taibbi and Mr. Schellenberger called 
the censorship industrial complex. Now we're figuring out how this complex mm. worked, and that's the first step into stopping it. Well, I think they, they probably know pretty much what the Biden administration doesn't want out there. So the cat's kind of out of the bag. You don't even have to get a, an yep. official order anymore. You just There can be a wink and a nod. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised there's body language, you know, being read here. Do you get the feeling that I get that if you're a conservative of any yoke, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican, a mega maga idiot, or if you're just somebody that thinks from a conservative perspective most of the time, you've got a target painted on your back. The left are coming after us, every one of us. And every day there's a new example that flips into the marketplace of ideas that we hear about that shows that's exactly what they're doing. Dr. Robert Mercola, we publish stories pretty regularly here. He's an expert a real expert at finding facts and giving them to the American people that give us the real details, the ones that we can make book on regarding everything to do with the COVID-19 vaccinations and adverse events. Chase Bank has shut down his personal and business accounts. We're talking about United States Chase Bank. Now, why would they do that? And on what authority? Of course, as we now know, with the very subtle changes that have been made in banking regulations, banks have the right, and this may be scary, but let me just give you a little insight. Banks now have the right at any time. They can grab any money you have deposited for anything. They can grab it and hold it and they don't have to give you a reason for doing it. And it can be indefinite. That should scare every one of us to death. But Dr. Mercola, you think about it. He's got a whole industry, a news industry, regarding everything to do with healthcare, not just COVID vaccines. And I will tell you this, for those of you that are regulars and you read our stuff, you know we're not into conspiracy stuff. When we publish something, we have verified factually that what it is is real and is truthful. We wouldn't publish Dr. Mercola's stuff if we didn't know that factually. And we don't publish everything that he puts out. Why? Because some of it, We've not yet been 100% sure it's the way it's presented in what he writes. And that's not derogatory about him. I mean, he's, he's an expert. He's a doctor. That's what he does. That's his specialty field in medicine, too. And speaking of specialty fields in medicine, this sex change stuff, and we're supposed to call it gender-affirming that's not what it is. It's manipulating somebody's or trying to manipulate somebody's biological sex through surgery and medication. It's getting out of hand. And it's destroying people's lives. And sadly, most of these are young people. And we don't have any idea or concept about the numbers of people that fall into this category. But 
One we do know about is a young lady named Chloe Cole. And she was in front of Congress yesterday, sitting before a committee answering questions about what she went through. And I want you to hear some of it for yourself. Okay, turning to the emotional day on Capitol Hill. A House Judiciary Subcommittee holding a hearing today on the dangers of adults coercing children into life-altering and medically questionable gender transition procedures. Republicans also claiming that taxpayer dollars should not go to these procedures. Detransitioner Chloe Cole testified on the irreversible effects, pleading with lawmakers to let her story be their final warning on the dangers. I was fast-tracked onto puberty blockers and then testosterone. When I was 13, I had my first testosterone injection. It's caused permanent changes to my body. My voice will forever be deeper, my jawline sharper, my nose longer, my bone structure um, permanently masculinized, my Adam's apple more prominent, my fertility unknown. Chloe Cole is with us tonight to share her story. Chloe, thank you for coming on with us. We appreciate this. You came out as transgender to your family at the age of 12, and your family then consulted with medical professionals for support. They trusted those professionals. What was your experience like with the doctors who worked with you and your family on this? Almost every single one of them only took the approach of affirming, of affirming me and my feelings of being a boy. And the reasons as to why I wanted to be a boy so badly and reject my female body were never really questioned, even though they did do a psychological evaluation and determined that I did have some, some pre-existing psychological factors. But it was never really, none of this was ever really looked into during so, the treatment of my gender dysphoria. You, you were 12 at the time. Yes. And the doctors simply went with what you expressed that you felt. What do you think about an adult treating a 12-year-old like that? I mean, what good is an adult if all they're supposed to give a kid is what they want and not what they need? I understand from your testimony today that the doctors asked your parents, would you rather have a dead daughter or a living transgender son? To me, Chloe, that sounds like the most heinous manipulation. How did you respond? How do you respond to that? My parents had to sign off on all these treatments, of course, but it was, it was under duress. I wouldn't say that what they gave was consent. It was coercion. They didn't know any better. This is all they were given. They were told that it was either transition or death, mm. but it wasn't. You, you said um, that you and thousands of others had your childhood ruined by the medical treatment that you received. You've got lawmakers talking about this, Chloe. What do you want to see them do to protect children? I don't think this should even be a choice for children. It should be outlawed completely for anybody under the age of 18. Mm. And even for adults, I feel like for patients of any age, it's been made out to be a very much one-size-fits-all treatment for all patients who have gender dysphoria. And all these patients who want to be the opposite sex are treated as if, I mean, this is the only cho- their only choice. Mm. But it's not. They're not given anything better. Can I ask you about this? Congresswoman Mary Gay Scanlon called what happened today and this conversation a political attack on transgender children. Watch what she said. Today's hearing is not about protecting children or parents' rights. 
It's a cynical and frankly dangerous political attack on transgender children and their families, driven not by science or facts, but by polling and political strategists determined to mobilize conservative voters through fear. So she calls what happened today, what you participated in today, sharing your story and attack. How do you respond to that? It's the furthest, the furthest thing from the truth. I want to use my story to help other children and young men and women to prevent them from going through the pain that I went through, hmm. to know that they deserve better than what they're being given now. Chloe, we greatly appreciate you sharing your story, the courage it takes to do so. Thank you for joining us tonight, and thank you for using the voice that you have to speak in this issue. We appreciate it. And thank you for having me. That's just the tip of the iceberg. We don't have any idea yet how prevalent this is and its direct impact on our children. But we do know that it's being weaponized against those who are the most innocent among us. Parents, school teachers, doctors going after our young children. Let me give you an example. The Chino Valley, California Unified School District Board of Education's their new parental notification policy on trans students. It's getting backlash from some community leaders who have launched death threats against the board president. The policy adopted a 4-1 decision last week It requires the principal or designee, certified staff, and school counselors to, within three days of becoming aware of the preference, notify parents of a student's decision to identify with a gender that does not directly correspond with their biological sex, use different pronouns or a different name, or use locker rooms and or restrooms that don't correspond with their biological gender. Days later, days later, The school board president, Sanja Shaw, told Washington Watch with Tony Perkins that a death threat against her came through an anonymous phone call the day after this decision. The next morning, our district got a phone call. A lot of things were said, but one thing was clear. This person was going to kill me, and they said they were going to dismember my body parts, my limbs more specifically. Thank God we have an amazing police department who jumped on it right away. Hours later, she checked her district email and found it inundated with threats. Things like, you're going to die with other inappropriate words. Your children are going to die. And your animals are going to die. Let's face it. Human nature can be atrocious. We don't always get it right. But when we get it wrong, we need to be getting it wrong honestly rather than weaponizing something, anything against somebody with a differing opinion. Thank you for being here on Friday. Don't forget, tomorrow, our Saturday bullet points. Every Saturday, we do a wrap of the week's big items. And we'll do that tomorrow morning at our Saturday bullet points. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. Love has a way to find you. Sneaks up right behind you. There ain't no particular way. You don't know when it's gonna come on 